Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Today's warehouse needs to keep inventory moving smoothly and quickly. Meet these challenges with on-demand warehouse labeling from Brother Mobile Solutions. Our mobile and industrial printers will help optimize your operations to achieve the speed, reliability, and durability your warehouse needs. With easy integration for existing warehouse technology, convenient portability, and upfront affordability, Brother Mobile Solutions is at your side when it comes to warehouse labeling. Try one for free today by visiting brothermobilesolutions.com slash newwarehouse or click the link in the show notes. That's brothermobilesolutions.com slash new warehouse to try one for free today. The New Warehouse Podcast hosted by Kevin Lawton is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Salah El-Hattab. He is the founder and CEO at Gravity Climate and we're going to talk to him a little bit about Gravity Climate's platform, and we're going to talk to him specifically about carbon emissions and, and your carbon footprint within the supply chain and in, in our operations world and how Gravity Climate helps you to kind of track that and then address that in a way that you can you can help reduce those. So so Sal is going to talk to us about that and, and give us a little little more insight on that. And I'm going to be learning myself along the way a little too as well. So, so it would be very good to have him on. So, so Sal, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm suffering the smallest cold, but excited to chat. Oh, same, same. I'm a little stuffed up myself, so I, I feel you there, definitely. So so welcome to the show, and, and I guess tell us a little bit about your your background and, and how you kind of, uh, I guess, maybe found this passion for doing better things for the, the environment and, and founding this company, Gravity. Yeah, absolutely, and I'd say that my passion is probably at the intersection of physical industries and the environment. Okay. And, uh, I'll start by showing how my background leaned closer to those physical industries for the past seven years. So before I started Gravity, I was actually at a company called Samsara that was largely focused on logistics and transportation. Mm-hmm. And I led product development for two of the business units, first in fleet safety and thereafter into site visibility, where we moved from kind of just fleets into their warehouses and everything upstream of the actual cab, which was exciting. But during that time, I grew to really appreciate working with those who had an actual physical operation and had an opportunity to move really tangible numbers. And at the same time, there was a massive inflection point around climate that I had been watching for quite a while. I'd been passionately in my free time caring about it, but I had finally made a lot of economical sense as well as industrial scale sense to apply a lot of the opportunities to reduce people's emissions 
to the industries like logistics, transportation, construction, and manufacturing. So mm. about a year and a half, I left Samsara and decided to point my arrow at this problem. Okay. Uh, and over the past year and a half, we've built a solution that we're really excited to evangelize to anybody with a physical operation, but with particular focus to logistics and transportation, manufacturing, and construction. Hmm. Interesting, and it's interesting because you're you're coming from the side of of being involved in that that logistics space already. But I, I'm curious there, you know, as you, you kind of made that that pivot. I mean, was there one moment where you know something something happened, or there was just kind of like that moment of like I, I gotta I gotta do something about this this issue? Yeah, yeah. I think well, I won't belabor all the different kind of societal ramifications that our people are experiencing from climate risk and hazards. And I won't also call too much attention to the geopolitical ramifications over the past couple <laughs> of years that caused things to be more expensive or supply chains to be disrupted. Um, but all those things actually factored into something that I was already passionate about, like I said, in my free time. The inflection point there for me was that it finally made a lot of business sense for these folks to participate. I think for a long time, a lot of I would say industrial operators felt like this was something that was more of an arm twist and wasn't necessarily going to be in line with their business. But in recent months, years, we switched from being kind of in this nutritional fact stage of carbon emissions where people have to disclose on the emissions of their operation to actually being able to show progress on emissions, allowing you to win business and allowing you to actually differentiate yourself. And more importantly, within your own operation, allow you to improve your margins, to improve your efficiencies, save on electricity costs. And that really made something that I cared about, like I said, uh, avocationally, become something that I thought would make a lot of sense for these organizations. And I wanted to build basically the product that was going to be the handbook, the automated handbook to help yeah. them meet all their disclosure requirements and win new business. Mm. Very interesting. And I, I guess for, for people that maybe are... You know, I think we've all, you know, heard this uh, carbon carbon emissions or, or carbon footprint. But for people that maybe are not totally aware of what what does that entail or what, what is encompassed in that, give us kind of like a, a brief overview of like what is that exactly? Absolutely. So carbon footprinting or emissions disclosure or anything of the ilk has been around for quite a while. But as of late, people increasingly want to know either the emissions of an organization or a product or a service. So in the world of logistics and transport, that's often how many tons of carbon dioxide or pounds of carbon dioxide are emitted by getting a product from point A to point B or storing it in the warehouse, keeping the lights on. And ironically or upsettingly or Actually, maybe opportunistically, the transportation and logistics sector are actually responsible for about a quarter of all global emissions, just shy of that, 24%. Yeah. And I think the three things that I would pair with this kind of need to disclose, which is a little bit more painful, is that it's kind of in that nutritional fact stage. So it's more about knowing that number is more important than maybe even reducing it on day one. So <laughs> meeting customers where they are and helping them generate a number is really important. Thereafter, progress on emissions reductions is rewarded by new business, by public market bumps and otherwise. And then ultimately, the good news is that these wins are rewarded internally as well on your own balance sheet. And that's what we get excited about helping people do. All right. Interesting. And thanks for that that explanation, definitely. And and I mean, I mean, 24% of the world's emissions, you know, coming from 
our industry certainly you know we can make a big impact i think as an industry as a, as a whole to, to help there right so i mean tell us i guess a little bit about you know gravity and and gravity climate and, and how you guys are actually now coming in and, and helping organizations to to understand this this better and then take some action based on, on the understanding yeah, absolutely. I think I've already said we, we love to meet organizations where they are. So the first thing that Gravity does for folks is that it jumps in and helps them meet immediate requirements to disclose, whether that's to organizations in their supply chain that are requesting that information or their consumers or regulators. Right. And thereafter, we help them pragmatically find both reduction opportunities from an emissions perspective, but also from a cost perspective. And all that happens kind of within the same platform as you go through the process, which you could maybe compare to a TurboTax for carbon accounting, really helping you okay. understand exactly how to go through that accounting exercise. We learn a lot more about your organization and your operations in a way that helps us connect you to decarbonization supply, which supply that actually helps you reduce your emissions such that you can do so without thinking just about reduction costs but how much is this going to cost you on day one and what's it going to pay you back in terms of efficiency savings and otherwise uh, all on a single platform interesting and as i mean it sounds very all-encompassing and I, I think for somebody that's you know like an organization that hasn't really maybe tracked this stuff in the past or, or paid as much attention to it as maybe they, they should have it sounds like you're kind of all-encompassing and, and able to you know take them from you know maybe having not much of an idea of how much you know their carbon footprint is to to really understanding that and, and being able to to take some some action on that which i think is a a great thing and a, a great tool to have absolutely so i mean what have been some of the challenges for for businesses like in, in the past and you know you, you mentioned there you know it's becoming like more important especially in the the supply chain where you know companies are looking at not only being internally focused on their sustainability goals and, and doing better for the environment, but making sure that their their entire supply chain is, you know, all their suppliers who they're connected to, who they're working with, are also kind of following those same goals as well. Um, so, so what have been some challenges, I guess, historically for, for businesses when they're trying to track these, these emissions and, and their footprint? Yeah, absolutely. And one of them you touched on right before I asked the question, which is mm -hmm. education is a big piece of this, right? Yeah. A lot of people are doing this for the first time or really making it more systematized in a way that requires a lot more internal education as well as consultancies often. Mm -hmm. And thereafter, a lot of the pain is actually in data wrangling and speaking the same language across supply chains, mm -hmm. right? So even if you're just looking at a single organization before they have to go and activate their supply chain, it's a question of where do I find this data and how do I make it something that isn't so manual, that it's a painful process we run quarterly, monthly, or annually. Yeah. So a lot of what we like to do is figure out how to automate that process, integrating with things like telematic systems in the logistics and transportation space, pulling directly from your utility bills or your utility provider, maybe reading from submeters, and really figuring out ways to get the most empirical activity data, the data that ends up being inputs into your emissions calculations, and making that easier for you. I think right now we're also seeing a massive reckoning where people care about emissions across their supply chain, like you called out. Right. Uh, and that requires 
everybody speak the same language and to be able to share data in a meaningful way and to even request the data in a meaningful way. And so you're seeing a significant spike in kind of supply chain solutions or people trying to tackle that problem. And we're really excited to be at the center of that, given that we've been working almost exclusively with the organizations that are the ones being knocked on the door of to mm. find emissions for. Yeah. So if you're a consumer product that doesn't own your distribution arm or your manufacturing facility or otherwise, you're reaching out to this organization, asking them for emissions and might not have the tools to help them do that. Yeah. And that's squarely where we operate, really trying to lower the bar for folks who are being asked to do this and haven't done it before or have been doing it for a long time painfully and are looking for a way to do it in a, in a more cost-effective way. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. And uh, and I think you touched on something interesting there where you mentioned, you know, speaking the, the same language, right, I guess, throughout the supply chain in this sense. But I mean, is there and, uh, you know, I think this, you know, this goes to multiple different parts of our, you know, industry and stuff is in even, you know, looking at automation and, and robotics things, you know, there's a big push for interoperability and and you know being able to to speak the same language as you said so i I mean is there now standardization in place so like if you know if i'm in an organization and i go to my suppliers and you know i say you know these are our requirements now i mean are the suppliers going to be able to to interpret that and and are they going to be tracking in the same way that my organization would be or is there still some kind of differences in the measurements or or is it is it being standardized yeah no that's a great question so when it comes to the actual measurement standards and the way that people actually translate real world data into Mm -hmm. emissions calculations fortunately for about two decades now there has been a standard kind of the canonical example being the greenhouse gas protocol Mm -hmm. which discussed how to measure emissions there's a lot of renovation of it over the years and there's still more work to be done but at least kind of square zero people know how to go ahead and start to calculate their emissions and that's a shared language i think where there ends up being differences and a lot of improvement in recent years in particular is that that real-world activity that it could be one of a number of different things. It could be how much dollars you spent on a service and using that to translate to emissions. It could actually be the raw material extraction of something and kind of tracking that through the entirety of its life cycle so that you can get really, really high-quality empirical data. And increasingly, people are saying we need numbers that are not industry averages but are actually rooted in, in organizations' operations. So you're seeing folks transition from that historical dollar calculation to things like how much fuel was actually combusted in gallons or for each kilowatt consumed from the grid at that point? What was the electricity consumption and the, the energy mix that fueled it so that we can calculate emissions? So as people are being knocked on, they know how to calculate, but the quality bar is rising. And that's, I think, part of the difficulty. And then, of course, there are new improvements to the GHG protocol that are happening year over year. But for the most part, it's more a question of improving data quality than it is changing the raw calculation exercise. Hmm. Okay. All right. It's, it's good to know. Yeah. Because I think, you know, sometimes, you know, I see these, these different initiatives and things and, and people are in, interpreting the the language in, in different ways. So that the standardization really helps to, to be able to bring that and, and understanding throughout the, the entire process or the entire chain in this case. So, so yeah. as you, I mean, as you guys are working with organizations and you, you've been building this, this data, I'm sure you, you have this robust kind of data store now. I mean, what if we look at you know we're the the new warehouse podcast here right so if we look you know specifically at like the the warehouse fulfillment distribution side of things i mean 
where where can people find you know if they're starting to look at their you know carbon emissions and their their footprint and things of that nature i mean where do you see typically is like kind of that easy impact low-hanging fruit type of thing to to make a, an impact on the, on their footprint and, and reduce it like pretty pretty quickly we'll be back after a quick break you hear a lot about supply chains these days because if the past couple years have taught us anything it's that an efficient well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's one of my favorite exercises. Yeah. And I think that's something that historically has caused a little bit of paralysis because when somebody says decarbonize or reduce your emissions, sometimes you think yeah. I have long haul trucks that have no real <laughs> pathway yeah. to go into zero emissions today, although we're seeing incredible innovation there. Mm-hmm. But the good news is there are a lot of low hanging fruits up front, everything from the kind of lightweight transition from halogens to LEDs, which immediately save you money, right? Uh, Are a fantastic first step to potentially checking if your building's well-sealed so that you're not losing a lot of energy to heat loss. But there are also things that are a little bit more, I'd say, bigger steps, but still low-hanging fruit, like transitioning to electric heat pumps, potentially electrifying the vehicles within your warehouse so that you're not using carbon combusting forklifts or similar. And thereafter, I think when we start about, like, not necessarily the bleeding edge, but the bigger steps that are now available and economically viable, last mile delivery is a fantastic operation for folks as well. As you look to flip the vehicles that are helping with that last step of of logistics and transport, so much has happened in the EV space that is making that actually make sense for organizations. I wouldn't call it low-hanging fruit. You might have to climb a couple branches, but it's now within reach and not something that is, you know, activist, but still rooted in pragmatic business decisions. Hmm. Very interesting. And, you know, I think the, I, I used to work for a, a commercial lighting supplier, actually, I ran their, their warehouse for a while. And I'm so, so very familiar with the, the lighting side. And I think, the, you know, the, the great thing about that change, too, is the, the cost savings, but just the overall improvement to the the brightness and and well-being within the space as well as it is huge thing too which i think gets overlooked like the importance sometimes of that so i think it's it's really interesting some of those things where you can you can make you know slight slight tweaks and it's going to have multiple benefits aside from just like the environmental impact as well so i'm curious you know for you i think you know like you, you said like somebody comes and says like you know we're gonna decarbonize or whatever and we're gonna try and you know reduce our, our footprint like it may seem like a, a big daunting thing like to get your your hands around right and i think oftentimes a lot of times the, the thinking goes directly to like oh what's that gonna cost me right but it, but in some cases like you're saying like you actually end up reducing costs from from doing these things that are are better so i mean what is your because I'm sure you've probably gotten this a, a couple times, I can imagine, where companies say like, well, you know, that's going to 
cost me more potentially or that's the mindset so so what do you say to those people that are thinking that you know in order to reduce their footprint they're going to have to make some some heavy investments and it may end up you know raising their expenses or, or something of that nature yeah well I think first I have to acknowledge that there are certainly steps that people could take right. that are not going to be in line with their bottom line that yeah. could potentially break the bank. And it's worth noting that those aren't necessarily the first steps we would ever encourage somebody who's mm-hmm. being very conscious of their bottom line to take. You can actually look at the landscape of carbon reduction opportunity and stack rank it by cost where cost is comprehensive of both day one cost, but how much it brings you back and see that there are some things on the far left side of that spectrum that are going to make you tons of money and things that are on the far right side of that spectrum that probably need a little bit more innovation, probably need a little bit more of the cost curve to be bent down as well as potentially for people to co-invest with you. But we focus on those things on the left side. And sometimes there's an upfront capex, but increasingly organizations are excited to pay that upfront capex to share some of your savings. So whether it's that you can afford it And within a short time horizon, you're going to start to see cost savings and other wins like overall work-life improvements, like a halogen to LED transition. Or maybe it'll be a little bit more expensive, like a heat pump. And yes, there will be a cost to it up front that maybe you can take financial loans that are intentionally purpose-built for these situations that end up being paid back in short horizons. And then you benefit from the energy savings or there are things that are actually going to be rewarded by new business and other bits and maybe those are the ones that are more i guess the third step rather than the first or second mm-hmm. uh, where clearly there's going to be wins for you in the future whether it's through the market or otherwise but there's so many things on the far left side of that spectrum that you can take advantage of today and that are actually going to look really good on your balance sheet within short order very interesting and I, I think that's some great points there because you know I think that like I was saying I think oftentimes people think oh this is gonna you know cost me more but there's certainly some things in there where where you can start to do some things and make some impact and actually like we talked about the light lighting switch you can, you can save some money or or get some more ROI like further down down the road as you said and I think it's becoming more and more important to, to start to look at these things and you know make sure that we're you know sustainable not only as a a business but just sustainable for the the environment as well and and making sure that we're we're doing those things like you said you know 24 percent of emissions are are coming out of like our our arena right so so we have a lot of area to to improve which which is a good thing a lot of opportunities there so i mean as we look at the supply chain as a whole and you know we talk about these large percentages that we're, we're contributing right so I mean, what are some of the the biggest challenges right now to, to reducing carbon footprint for, for supply chain? Yeah, I would say we've kind of touched on one of them, which is mm-hmm. getting a shared language and making it easier for people to actually share this information so that true good action is rewarded and that potentially when there's a little bit more greenwashing, otherwise it's easy to identify. Mm-hmm. But I'd say the next bit is more about knowing exactly where the official kind of regulation or the official markets are going to land. Sometimes people are waiting for that moment, that kind of legislative trigger that makes it make a ton more sense or rather require you to participate. But it's not necessarily the case that folks need to do that, given that we already know the ingredient to success in that world. So I'd say the biggest challenge right now is often just taking that first step and saying I'm willing to actually measure my emissions and to start to find those cost-effective ways to reduce my footprint. And so we're excited to find people who are kind of saying, 
I want to take this step, but I'm daunted to show them that it's actually a lot easier to do so. But really, it's about just finding somebody within your organization that's willing to, to lead the charge, then seeing those rewards. And I think after that, we're going to start to see peers, see their peers win and want to take steps as well. And actually, I was spoiled. And I think you and I were at the same conference to be at a supply chain yeah. logistics conference, right? That was not centric on sustainability, but every single booth had some call out to the sustainability wins of their technology, whether it was an automation or otherwise. So I think a lot of the biggest challenges of the past are increasingly disappearing because it's not something that's going to require you to hire a PhD or otherwise. It's going yeah. to be something that's actually readily available by the technologies that you're purchasing and by software offerings that make the accounting process easier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so increasingly those challenges are going away and then I'm excited to be, to help organizations with that mission. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's, it's definitely apparent that organizations are, are taking notice. And, and like I said, we were both at manifest and, you know, it, it certainly was something that you could, you could see it was not, uh, I think like you said, like it wasn't like, here's these like sustainability corner or something like that. Right. It was just like apparent that it's just like in the, the ethos now of like what we're, we're doing and, and companies are really say, concerned about it, but, but for, like focused on, on doing that. Right. So, uh, so and you, you touched on something there and I'm curious your, your thoughts on this, where you said, you know, you just need to find that, that person within your organization that wants to wants to work on this and, and i guess has some, some passion about this type of thing so so if somebody is listening now and you know they have some some passion for sustainability and the environment and they want to try and start to champion these types of things within their organization i mean what what advice would you give them to be able to to start that journey and get some some buy-in from the great organization as a whole yeah, I, I really love that. And I'll also add that sometimes it's that person that wants and other times it's that person that needs to, whether it's because the yeah. boardroom pushed on it or <laughs> they're leading yeah. operations in a way that it's, it's required. But for those who are, you know, looking to be the champion within their organization, I invite them to look online for a partner that will actually help them create the case for them, right? They don't have to do it alone. Gravity Climate is one of those offerings where reach out to us will effectively help unlock the pamphlet that you distribute internally that shows you the cost savings, that shows you the pathway that isn't going to be a massive operational lift, but rather probably improve your day-to-day operations. And being able to find those resources and have somebody support you with your internal evangelism makes it that much easier. I'll say beyond that, continuing to fight the fight and to evangelize for this is is wonderful, but I, I really don't like labeling this as an activist effort i think increasingly this is going to be one that's you championing efficiency savings and uh, general improvements to your organization's operations all right great advice there i would definitely say so so very interesting stuff from you sala here and and definitely really interesting to to learn about gravity and and what you guys are doing there i think it's a it's a great tool as, as you said making you know, it, it easier for for people to understand this problem and and then take some some action from it. And I think that's like the most important part here, right? Is taking that action based on the data that you're able to to compile and and interpret there. So so really interesting stuff. And I want to thank you for for joining me on the the show today. If people are interested in learning more about gravity, how could they do that? Absolutely. Well, thanks first of all for having me, Kevin. It's sure. been a pleasure. But if folks want to learn more about us, you can go to gravityclimate.com or reach out to info at gravityclimate.com by email. I give my number, but I think that'd be not the most prudent decision. <laughs> no problem at all. We'll put that stuff at the newwarehouse.com so people can easily find it. 
And Sila, thank you very much for, for your time on the show today. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from The New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for The New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.